Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, Josh Liberman, who is not only with Net Sciences, but he describes himself as an international bon vivant and raconteur. So welcome, sir. Welcome, all of you. <laughs> you turned that around on me pretty well. Okay, I'll come up with another thing to call you that I want to be known as. So I'm with Net Sciences. We're an IT services firm um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Actually, 28 years old, 23 years as Net Sciences. This is our 29th year, if you can do all that math. And uh, we have been acting as an MSP almost entirely, almost pure MSP since 2010. And we're hoping to continue that winning streak here for the next several years. <laughs> we are focused on small business, but that is a little bit like saying a fish is focused on water. We live in a state, I work in a state, where 97% of all businesses have 20 or less employees. So that is what our focus is. Uh, at, at 100 seats, you now hit the top 1% of business in New Mexico. So we are focused primarily on 10 to 50 user networks, but I think that puts us right in the midst of the um, median, if not average, uh, MSP in the United States. Yeah, well, and most, small, most businesses are small businesses anyway. So, you know, it's, it's, it seems, the, the word small makes it seem like a small market, when in fact, it's a gargantuan market. So, yeah. uh, all right, so, I'm going to see you uh, in about 10 days or so uh, in Chicago, and you have uh, become one of the people that, that uh, a lot of MSPs rely on for security information. So today we're going to talk about 12 points, I guess, of securing your network, a 12-point checklist, I suppose. So if, if we're going to secure a network, obviously, you know, quote unquote, we install a firewall, uh, we install antivirus. Obviously, you're going to talk about more than that. So is, are those two of the 12 or are those just assumed before we get started on the 12? Well, the firewall is assumed. And let, me, let me preface this. So th what we do is there are four things that have to be for us to engage with a customer. There has to be either a domain controller that everyone authenticates to or something that can uh, fill in for that. It can be cloud hosted. It can be local, uh, potentially even just a standard OS machine running a desktop, but running something called Policy Pack or a similar product that can act in lieu of group policies. So there has to be a server. I'm just going to shortcut to that. There has to be a firewall in place. With us, it's only Sonic Wall, but we, we can work with any Gen 6 brand new capable firewall with deep packet inspection and, and preferably DPI SSL capabilities too. So that's always a given. There has to be internet, high-speed internet access. In Albuquerque, that's not a given, but there does need to be suitable access. Typically, it's cable, occasionally fiber, and I think we still have one DSL site. And then the fourth is there has to be a willingness to engage with us on a monthly basis so they understand that there will be ongoing services delivered on a monthly basis. We have three levels of those services, and that's kind of a good segue into how this works. So now those four points are out of the way. <laughs> the 12-point checklist is really, we have three levels of security services, each mate to our levels of managed services. We have a silver, gold, and platinum, much like your Marriott's and others out there. Titanium? Uh, you're titanium. <laughs> we, don't, we don't offer titanium yet. Uh, but honestly, that is something I'm looking at doing in the next year. So at the silver level of managed services, you automatically get our basic security package. 
And that's, I'm gonna run through quickly and then go back around in a circle, we'll talk about it. But that's the typical RMM type services, so monitoring, alerting, uh, and trending and analysis of network usage and issues. Uh, managed patching of common software, both Microsoft and third party. Next gen anti-malware, important detail, not signature based anti-malware. Email filtering, whether you have premise, or we still have a few that way, or O365 mail, we start, or Google mail, we still do a filtering layer in front of that. DNS filtering, not to be confused with content filtering, which we'll talk about, both of them, and user training delivered through the web. That's our basic package. It's known as the basic security package because I'm an excellent marketer. To step up from that, when you go from silver to gold on managed services, you also get the next step up in the security package, which is the advanced security package. And that adds to those things three more services, which is internal vulnerability scanning and device alerting, I'll talk about, external vulnerability scans, and firewall log analysis. Gold level managed services also include remote help desk services, Monday through Friday, eight to five, on a flat rate basis, which is not to be confused with all you can eat, as you might know. Good job. <laughs> well, I was ahead of you on that one little thing. So <laughs> I had I've never called anything all you can eat because I know what I'm like when I get into a Chinese buffet. So the next thing, next step up is, or Indian, comprehensive security. So if you come up to our platinum level of managed security services, you also a managed security plan, you also get the comprehensive security package, which adds three more services, two-factor authentication, available across all types of devices, locally or remotely, anywhere you want to use it or don't, but it's, it's available to you. Mobile device management, so I'm sure we know that tablets and phones need management, and I'm sure we all have trouble placing that. And finally, we separate out dark web monitoring in this package, and I want to talk about that because a lot of MSPs have that. They see it as a prospecting only tool, and I, I was there when you discovered that a couple of few years ago when we ran into the ID Asian folks when they came right. in. Right, in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, that's where it was. It channel partners, maybe uh, next gen. Next gen. Okay, so we throw that into the third level of services as well, and I'll talk about that at the end because I do really want to talk about it. But we've written is we've designed these plans so that anybody on a basic managed services plan can opt or upgrade. They can pay to get a suite or the presidential suite for that matter. They can move up to the advanced security package or the comprehensive package. And if they need to, for example, we have somebody on gold managed services, which has nine of these 12 services, but they really want two-factor authentication, they can pay $5 a seat. They really want mobile device management, they can pay $5 a seat. They really want dark web monitoring, they can pay a fee to cover their site based on the size. So these can be purchased a la carte for the most part, they're bundled only, but we've priced and staggered them such that it's to our benefit if people buy them a la carte. You can add to plans, you just can't subtract from them. Right, so you got a core bundle, and then you can add on top of it. You can indeed. So, yeah. all right, uh, any chance you're gonna send me something I can like put on the, the website for this just so people can follow right. it a little bit? I can send it while we're speaking. <laughs> Not a problem. All right, so, remember. so the first question is, is this something you require of all of your clients? They have to buy into one of these packages, or is this something that you offer to all of your clients hoping that they're smart enough <laughs> to actually protect their stuff. Yeah, I don't live in that second world. I think that's your world. <laughs> yeah, we don't have anything that isn't mandatory. This is kind of like Germany. It's either mandatory or prohibited. Uh, 
So, really, sorry, uh, especially to my German audience, but I'm sure you'll understand. So, no, we do require everybody enter at least at that silver level. The silver level of services from us is all about automated services. It's the patching and alerting, it's the monitoring, it's the anti-malware, next-gen stuff, email filtering, DNS filtering, user training. That package together, the basic security package, is the silver managed services package, and that is the entry level for us. You must engage at that level and have a sonic wall and have a, a business continuity and disaster recovery capable backup solution, which for small businesses like this almost always means having data on, on premise. I think we're at 97% saturation. I think we have one site that's a full-time customer that's not running a data. So 98%. I mean, we're pretty much there. Right. So yes, that is mandatory to come in at that level to engage with us. We do remediations, we do put out fires, we do quick break fix jobs, but we don't engage longer than 90 days with folks unless they'll come on to that minimal package. Okay, so, so I do have to ask, okay, not quite really a sidetrack, but you've mentioned two brand names, SonicWall and Datto. Um, tell me in like, whatever, a minute and a half, why vendors matter? Like, why, why does it matter whether they're SonicWall and Datto versus, you know, WatchGuard or anybody else and any other brand of, of BDR? What's, what's the advantage of picking brand names and, and trying to be exclusively with those? So anybody who's an MSP or any kind of IT service provider always struggles with the, with the um, not the economy, but the, you, you want to go best of breed or you want to go single vendor? Do you want to manage less vendors? Or do you want to have the best of breed point solution for every issue? This is something I'm going to talk about at IT Owners Compass, like you mentioned in Chicago. So over the years, we have mo we've moved as we've become more sophisticated and a little bit larger and more capable of it to a best of breed idea. When you get to firewalls in particular, there's nothing on most networks that's more complicated, more capable, and more capable of doing you in if you don't do it right. So we have been a, a SonicWall shop just short of 20 years. We did dabble during that time with both Fortnite and WatchGuard, but we've been a SonicWall shop almost entirely for almost 20 years. Three of us have um, tested on it recently, and two of us have tested on it a half a dozen times. I have more than a dozen certifications from them. We're just masters with that product line. Had we chosen Fortinet or Sophos, potentially, arguably, WatchGuard, Calyptics, Untangled, whatever, then that would be our brand. But we have one best of breed, and it's SonicWall, and it's what we're expert in. So because of that, what we can do is take on customers with other equally or close to equally capable solutions that I've mentioned and work with them to the end of their services term and then swap them out to what we know best. That's surprisingly easy to do. I've very rarely had folks fight me on that. We've occasionally, frequently met with people and said, look, don't buy a SonicWall from us and hire a different vendor to manage your network until you know that they're going to be a SonicWall shop. If you don't know what you want or who you want to work with, figure that out first and work with whatever they're expert in. There are people in town that will tell people that they're expert at all five primary firewall lines, but they're not. Right. Well, you'd have to have 50 technicians in order to be, have enough of them to be expert on everything. And there, that would mean that there's one shop in town, that but I know them and they're a Cisco shop. So the reality is we really have to focus. As far as the BDR solution, business continuity, disaster recovery, fancy way to say backup, 
we have selected Dano for the other half of this vendor relationship. Support was good with Sonicwall. The vendor relationship is very good. That's part of every vendor's decision. Every MSP has to the product lines, the support, profitability, and your relationship, they all matter. When it comes to BCDR, all of that matters, but the single most important thing is the safety net that the quality of that company provides you. Because you're, you're basically selling pacemakers for people, and if these things don't work, you're in serious trouble. So we did experiment with various roll-your-own solutions. We were at the shoe shop with our own hardware at the back end a decade ago. We toyed with Beam, we toyed with Axiant, but about seven years ago, as we started playing with or actually committed to Datto and started deploying it. And in that time, we've had several very trying challenges. And they were, to say the very least, there for us, uh, including a 10 or 8 server failover across a Hyper-V cluster uh, and, I don't know, 7 terabytes of data and a fail back. And I can say that the failover was flawless, and anybody who does this for a living knows the fail back is the real challenge. That started at 6 p.m. on a Friday. We spent an hour on the phone with Datto. 48 hours later, roughly at 7 p.m. on a Sunday, we got back on the phone and finalized it. It took two hours of our time, 48 hours of their time. They managed the entire process without charge flawlessly. There's a lot to be said for that, and that is just one example. You know, it's interesting. One of the things you said is that uh, it's easy to get clients to move to your brand name, and I think one reason for that is all the brands that you mentioned on Firewall and on uh, BDR, uh, your client probably doesn't know any of them. Like, like if you picked up a list and said, you know, what are these, and then throw in popcorn in the middle, they would, they would recognize popcorn. They would, <laughs> yeah. they would not recognize any other name that you mentioned. <laughs> More than 80% of our clients don't know a name in the industry. And unfortunately, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. I, I have people approach me all the time for certification. I was interviewed by Intel yesterday about a new program they want to start. It has a wonderful badge. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> Honestly, we just don't have clientele that recognize it. There are exceptions. I do have two clients that would recognize the certifications or recognize some vendor brand names. But clients that hire us and most MSPs and networks up to maybe 40 or 50 users, they're hiring you instead of knowing this stuff. They want you to build a black box that is their network. Right. And it, Well, and, but don't you think clients, like, let's say that they know nothing, but they see on your business card that you are, you know, X certified on SonicWall, X certified on, on, on Datto, X certified with Microsoft. They don't know what anything of it means, but they know that you have invested something in your technology and your education. They don't know what something is, but they know it's something. Right. Yes, I, I completely agree. They, there is a, an air of legitimacy you carry with that. Uh, I, I think if they took the time to sniff the air, it might be different, but there is a certain air. I, yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, anybody can use a logo. I'm thinking of somebody I know in town who I think I once mentioned to you a guy that drove by that was uh, with a car that was pretty much hand spray painted as a HIPAA expert with HIPAA spelled H-I-P-P-A. Uh, and there were logos from three or four major vendors, two or three of which were misspelled on his car as well. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, but we carry certifications from the people that I believe that it matters, and that would be Microsoft and Intel and SonicWall and Dato. 
I think that that probably in aggregate makes a little bit of difference. But individually, as you're right, no, the names don't stand out. But what I tell people is they're best of breed, we're expert at them, and you're exceptional support. And especially in the case of Datto, that support is critical. Because honestly, nobody I know as an MSP is an expert in the ZFS file system or in the transport mechanisms of TCP IP, as well as in the structure of a failover, essentially a small SAN that you're using to fail over to, as well as the client architecture that does the snapshots and every other moving part that a BCDR solution is. We can't be. So I need a safety net under me. Now I do know other members in the community who do completely you know, roll your own backup or BCDR solutions. Uh, they undoubtedly have a better markup than we do on those products. And they're undoubtedly braver about this than we are. But I need to know that if, if, the, if the fan gets moving and the air gets smelly, there's somebody else in the room besides us. There's somebody to fall back on. So that's a long answer, and I'm sorry. But no, no, it's all good. So a huge piece of security, and, and the, particularly the backup piece, is doing test restores. So what do you do on that regard? Do you do a monthly restore? Do you have everybody on your staff know this technology enough to be able to not panic when the building's on fire? So the latter question is easy to answer. Yes, we all have a basic grounding and how that works. And it's a very straightforward. I, I can literally bring a mid-level tech up to speed in well under an hour. I can show them how to mount an image and fail over to it. And I'm going to come back to the tests here in a minute. But we also have that that backup. We have the ability to dial a toll-free number and know that over 90% of the time, somebody who is a tech answers the phone in real time and we're talking to them. Just about the worst time ever was during uh, one of the recent tornadoes and we were on hold for an hour. So, I mean, there were a lot of people talking to data at that moment. They've just been extraordinary. But yes, we have basic facility with them and yes, we can do most stuff on our own, but when we can't, they're back there. We talk about the automated testing, and it's the reason we don't, or one of the reasons we don't do this on our own. The Dano devices, even right down to the desktop size, one terabyte, one snapshot licensed boxes that are under a grand, those boxes, the operating system is set up such that it will test mount each snapshot. So you take a, a snapshot of the server per hour, it'll test mount that and make sure that it actually mounts and boots. But much more than that, you can have a test specific services or even mount databases or an exchange server should you have one in there. You can test all the different services and all the different, I mean, you can go through just an absurd number of tests. So it's an extremely effective automated test. Having said that, that just means the device is working and there's data there. That's not the same thing as recovering from a disaster. Right. There's a lot of human element and there's a lot of moving parts. So in our top level plan, annual disaster testing is included and in our mid-level plan annual disaster recovery testing is strongly strongly enforced is not the right word but encouraged and do you charge for that on the mid-level plan we do on the mid-level plan we do because it's done on site and all work on site on that plan is chargeable on the top level plan we don't that top level plan includes 24 by 7 critical support, which we define as emergencies that can't wait till working hours, and it includes on-site services. So on those plans, we actually will do that any time of the week. We plan it, we do it when they want it, 
and we've done plenty of Saturday failure tests over the years. But the honest truth is, I no longer have the fear of that that we once did five years ago because the testing is so thorough and so automated and in the hundreds of tests we've done in our own shop or dozens in the field, we've never had a fit. So with um, the, the firewalls, had you ever had clients who mess with them? Who like, like we literally fired a client one time because he kept moving wires around to make his life easier. And I don't know what he was actually trying to do, but he exposed what was supposed to be a secure network that never touched the internet to the internet, right? And literally bypassed his own firewall. And, and we're like, either you have to stop doing this or you have to stop sending us a check because we can't secure a system where you, you play with stuff. So we only have two clients that have an IT person. I'm skipping the third guy who literally can't spell TCPIP and who doesn't know that data does not reside in the client panel. They think of him as an IT person, but he's not. The, the two I can think of that have true IT people, and as a matter of fact, they both used to work for me. I placed them both in their jobs, which was fun and lucrative. Nonetheless, they, they do get into that firewall. They do have an agreement to, to they basically keep a change log and export the config file anytime they touch it. We discuss what they're doing. I'm not at all concerned with that. Other than that, the only other thing we ever experience is what you just described, is that people that think that they need to recable something. And they, they basically break it. Now we just lost somebody, we lost a 22 year old, 22 year, 22 year long client just in the last month. And I was going to tell you that we, we've been wrestling with him to try to pry his SPS 2011 server from his live cold fingers. And we couldn't, we couldn't get it done. We couldn't do that. We couldn't get old machines replaced. You and I have talked about him. And he found somebody told him he didn't need any of that. And the very first thing he did was move his entire network on the other side of the firewall and retire his firewall because there's a firewall in Windows. And then he took the data out of the equation because he has RAID drives. So that's an automatic backup, there you go. that kind of stuff. Those are extreme examples, but yeah, every now and again, we have somebody that migrates to the other side, moves some wires around. Of course, we know about it. And part of that is because of something I'm gonna come up on here in a few minutes. But I don't believe we've ever specifically had to fire somebody over that. And it is unusual. What we really have to do is lean on people to let us go in on a once or twice a year basis and tune up that firewall and tighten it down. And I, I frequently do this, especially on our true flat rate services, without even their knowledge. I just do it, put it in our monthly services statement in lieu of a bill, because they're on a flat rate, and I'll, I'll just tighten it down. For example, I'll make sure that they're only passing traffic from 20 countries that they might actually do business with. And half of those countries are just because Akamai or somebody else has a concentrator or some other web accelerator in that country. They never do any business in Ireland, but Office 365 is there, things like that. So we, we tighten down the firewalls pretty regularly and we try to do things. We defeat services in the servers. We will go through and wipe out, you know, get rid of dead objects in the Active Directory. We'll check permissions. Permissions are something that people do play with. They do figure that out. And we do run tools to figure out what's happening and what's changed. I hope in the next year that we'll have a much more automated approach to this. Uh, Rapid Fire Tools has a product called CyberHawk that'll help us a lot like this. We're not yet at the point where we can place that, but I hope to. So cool. So yeah. um, 
with I know as a sonic wall shop, you have the ability to centrally manage all these. Do you take advantage of that? Do you like have a dashboard where you see all your clients and you can manage them from there? So Sonic Wall, Sonic Wall has just recently renamed that services. It was known as GMS or Global Management Services. It's now known as Capture Security Center, I believe. Uh, it is a, it is as you say, a, a hosted. The new version is completely hosted service. We're not on that. It's a little hard for us to justify because it requires. Or I'm sorry. It its primary benefits are usurped by the way we manage or overlap with the way we manage our firewalls to begin with. For one thing, we have almost no sites with the same policies. So the ability to push the same policy out to a bunch of sites at once is not terribly useful to us. Uh, it includes the 20, or sorry, the eight by five and 24 by seven basic warranty on the product, but that's included in the CGS services set that we send. It includes the ability to send reports that we have nobody that will open or actually we have two sites that will open, but they already have the software. So it doesn't offer us what it might, somebody who's more nascent or with a different different um, client base. So the answer is no, we're not using that at the moment. We are using other tools and other procedures in its place. All right, and when uh, folks get a, uh, either, either of these, SonicWall, BDR, or whatever, do you sign them up for a three-year contract or are they month to month or how, how do you sell that? So all of our contracts are annual at this point. We don't have any three-year contracts. I never got past the expectation of discounts for extended contracts and I don't want to discount our services. We, we have in the past had three-year contracts, but they're very limiting for me because every year we add at least one or two services. And I, typically what I'll do is make them a la carte add-ons in the second year, I'll bundle them and charge for them optionally. And in the third year, I'll roll them down to all the plans and increase our costs. And because nobody, we, if we had staggered three-year dates or three-year contracts, I wouldn't be able to follow that cadence. It's never so, been that appealing to me. So you have one-year contracts. Are they buying the Sonic oh, Wall? Or are you providing it as part of like hardware as a service? So it's, a, it's an option, but I, I can honestly say that I have never sold the sonic wall on a monthly basis everybody prefers to own the firewall datos have been i guess the one one year is the minimum commitment and we do have some people that buy the small ones that way i don't believe we ever sold a large one it's a funny environment here i i can more easily sell a ten thousand dollar firewall or nano box than i could possibly sell an eight hundred dollar a month service it's just it's a, literally today we have one last site with a large on-site exchange server and we were talking about moving them to office 365 and the versions of it and costs and it's it's a very good call for them because they're about to have to go to an exchange enterprise server and that's very expensive for a lot right. of reasons so they're finally interested and they want to do it and i mentioned the cost and they said the word monthly and he goes well you know we won't do monthly this site prepays a year of services on their data and a year of managed services to us they $8, so sell them in Office 365 for a year. Well, I've never sold it that way. He said, can't we buy it by the year? I said, the answer is certainly yes. I don't know if the money goes to Microsoft or the money goes to us and we sit down at escrow, but we'll figure it out. Right now, everybody's on a monthly bill. But if somebody says you must take my money, they will eventually prevail. 
Well, you know me, I, I take their credit card, so the money definitely goes to me. Yeah, they, these guys literally prepay 80 grand or more a year every December. They're the only reason we have to accept credit cards because they put it on Southwest and American Airlines cards. Right, exactly. I you get 3,000 points, like there you go. Well, I know about points, so yeah. yeah. That's like an unlimited number of trips between Albuquerque and Phoenix, right? Yeah. Well, no, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> so do you help other IT consultants figure this stuff out? Actually, I do. And uh, we, one of the services I offer is to sit down and explain our basic documentation. There's about six pages that describes all of the services we do, the way our plans are set up and staggered and priced, and the way we deliver security services, the tools that we use, the relationship we develop. I also provide them the opportunity to be directly connected to the people that we work with because many of these vendors I've known a decade or two, um, many others, more, more nascent relationships, but I still know them pretty well. So I do indeed do that. And I had plans to talk to you about that in Chicago um, or perhaps even later today. But yes, those services are available. There's different ways to engage with them. I can certainly follow up with people on that. All right, so uh, folks just go to uh, netsciences.com. The easiest way is to send an email to support at Nets, I'm sorry, to Joshua at netsciences.com. Um, and we can talk, get that discussion started. Can, can I get a two minute tour I wanna run you guys through before sure. you? All right, there's three things on here I mentioned that I said I would detail. So we, are, we have moved past signature-based antivirus products. As most of you guys out there know, they're really struggling to keep up and they're, they're particularly ineffective against polymorphic or unique signature attacks. Symantec, two years ago, um, indicated that, or a year and a half ago, that roughly two-thirds of all the attacks are now unique in the world, and a signature is not going to work. So we happen to have partnered with Silence through Solutions Granted. I'm not saying that that's where you need to go, but next-gen products such as Carbon Black and um, Sentinel-1 and Silence are the answer for that. The next thing I wanted to touch on is I mentioned that DNS filtering is different from content filtering. A lot of MSPs I've come across don't realize content filtering, which is delivered by a service software or hosted service, or in the firewall through a lot of common firewalls, is very different from DNS filtering, which is really focused on preventing people from getting typo splatted, from mistyping something and hitting a drive-by site, or occasionally it can be the only thing is between you and a command and control server initiating an attack. It can block traffic and resolution to those, and of course it can prevent, protect against farming or DNS poisoning attacks. So remember, that's not content filtering, it's different. The last thing I wanted to fall back to was the dark web monitoring. So a lot of people prospect with that service because they love the idea of being able to show people. Right. I don't, here's your password, yeah. yeah here, here's your name, here's three quarters of your password, here, here's 30 instances of people at your site. I'm not sure I've ever run a test that didn't show compromised names. That's very good, but I want to bring you guys back to the vacuum cleaner analogy. So when I was a kid, one of the things I did to move away from California was Bakersfield on my part in 1982, was I learned, I learned to sell vacuum cleaners. So we would go in there with our rainbow vac and have the lady of the house vacuum the carpet. We'd go right then, right after her, and show her all the dirt she missed. But the one thing we never did was go back right after that and show her all the dirt we missed. Right. What I'm driving at is that what I have found with dark web monitoring is you have to place it properly. 
when I run this for a lot of folks, the first question I get is, oh, well, how can you prevent, prevent that from happening? And the answer is you cannot prevent the compromise of their credentials. What you can do is alert them to the fact that that's very real. It's a visceral example of the reality of this and remind them that everybody that they employ that shares credentials across home and work that has been compromised, if they, you know, if, if their Ashley Medicine credentials are also their workforce solution credentials or their serum credentials, then they are compromised there as well. And if they're compromised, and I'm using that word in the Ashley Madison and IT security sense, then you are compromised. So it is a visceral, it is a wow factor, it is a uh, shock and awe tool, but right. you have to be very careful not to sell it for what it's not. So it's only in our top plan, and we just throw in the ability to alert people of new sets of credentials coming up so that they can approach their employees or go home very quickly on their own and change their credentials. Well, I assume that uh, it's probably at any given moment, uh, roughly 60 seconds since my credentials have been compromised somewhere on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I shop at Target and I go to, you know, Home Depot and I go to, right? Like name somebody I do business with that hasn't been compromised. Or and, somebody that they do business with. That's the whole problem. It is, if you'll pardon the expression, a web and everybody's interrelated. Uh, the most recent number I saw was that if you look at the top 100 compromises, there's more than 16 billion sets of credentials. And just for round numbers, there's 8 billion of us humans, and about half of us use the internet. So roughly all of us have been compromised four times. Of course, not all of us and not all four times, but basically it's out there. Right, and the more, the more you use it, the more you're compromised, so. All right, that's it, we're out of time. Thank you, sir, I appreciate it. And uh, we shall have you back again. And uh, with luck, uh, you know, hang out with you in Chicago and you'll buy me a beer. Yeah, I, yeah, that must be, I owe you one. So yeah, well, so folks send an email to joshua at netsciences.com and you'll have their info and you can send them that document, perfect. All right, Carl, and uh, you and I will talk later. Thank you, sir.